Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 52 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever topic we want. And with me, as always, is Lou Schwabach. Hello, hello. This week, we're going to go back to the mailbag and let a guest listener be a part of the show. Like before, we'll be going over an outside playlist given to us by a listener and give it our well-educated and non-biased... <laughs> I'm, not even gonna, I'm not even going to comment on it anymore. Besides, <laughs> it's still funny. Okay. There's just things that are always hilarious, like a guy getting punched in the junk. It, you can feel the pain, but it's still funny. I suppose you're right. So our non-biased opinions on the songs, good or bad. As a reminder, we have chosen not to accept any stipulation as, don't hate on XX band because I like them. Or, don't be mean. We won't be pulling any punches regardless of whomever the guest chooser is, so there will be no favoritism displayed. Just our pure, unadulterated opinions. Potential submitters, don't say you weren't warned. This week's playlist was brought to us by listener and fellow gamer Al Seeger. He sent us a list of songs that fit into a theme. Since he picked a theme, he'll get bonus points just like Who's Line. You know, where points mean pretty much dick. The theme he chose is, in his words, songs that could describe members of a D&D party. Anyone who's played knows there are tons of classes from barbarians to rangers. And don't forget rogues. And clerics. Yeah, yeah. Lou loves playing clerics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite thing. It's uh, forever and ever. His music taps on many of those. Like always, our guest listener playlist begs us to ponder the questions. Will we discover some new artists that we just have to start listening to, or will it be junk that we could pretty much live without? Will we feel our lives enriched and better for listening to these, or will we feel cheated and wish we had that precious time from our lives back? Guess you'll have to keep listening to find out. So, without further ado, let's get the show started. Absolutely. I must extend my hand to you, sir. Happy anniversary. You as well. One we, year, folks. We've made it a full year and going strong. Yeah, I think so. I think we got a lot more in the tank yet. Absolutely. There's definitely more coming up and surprisingly a pretty solid following. I mean, obviously we can always hope for more, but hey, you know, for what we've done in a year, I think it's going pretty well. We'll take what we can get. There you go. And if you got friends, if you listen to us, people, it's really simple. If you listen to us, share it. Share yeah. it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, share it on G+, plus. it doesn't matter. And if you want to put it on your MySpace page, you can certainly do that. Sure, sure, MySpace or your GeoCities webpage. Actually, MySpace is still out there. I know it is. They rebooted it, which is insane. Yeah, but it is what it is. So, But, you know, so with this episode, we're going to do a couple special things. It's probably going to be more than your standard hour, hour, and ten minutes. We're going to do some statistics from the first year. It'll be a little nerdy, but, you know, hey... Yeah, but they're fun statistics. We're not going to be like telling you the average length of the song title that we used or anything. I, don't, I didn't have the fucking time to do that, all right? <laughs> I, I'm, I was happy to help out with statistics, but at the same time, if you would have gone batshit crazy on this saying, could you tell me the average number of letters in a song title, I'd tell you to fuck yourself. 
I, that wouldn't even cross my mind, to and, be honest with and you. And that would have been boring as shit. Yes. So, <laughs> I think, since it's the one year, now we haven't been doing this section for a whole year, but let's get liquored up. Alrighty, let's get her up, get her, get her going. Well, I, ha- I haven't been drinking yet, but I just sound like it. Yeah, I think he has been. I don't know. I kind of parked diagonally in the street out here, and he's kind of slurring his words. I don't know. Oh, you, I didn't even park on your street. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, uh, this week we've got a relatively local brewery from Minneapolis. Midwest, yeah. Yeah, it's a Surly Brewing Company. I have friends who really love this this beer. We are do you have going... Minnesotan friends? I do. How's the matter with you? Well, are you they know, getting all crazy because they're uh, they're actually Missouri transplants? Oh, okay. Well, because so, they don't really have a football team down there, right? I mean, well, I, I didn't say they were Minnesota Vikings fans. Was it were they Chiefs fans? No, they really don't watch football. What do they watch? Soccer? Probably. Yeah, figures. Anyway, this week we have the Hell Lager, which is a beer. It says, well, it says uh, on you the don't can. say. <laughs> Sometimes I am just too smart. Now, on the can, it says here that, Finally, a surly beer my German mother will drink. She says this one tastes like a beer from back home. Not unlike a Zwickel beer from Germany, Hell is fermented with lager yeast and not filtered. American hops take a backseat to the Pils malt sweetness and fresh bread aroma. The color is, well, Hell, which is Deutsch for light. It's fiendishly drinkable. And you don't have to sell your soul to get another one. What are we looking at here? We're looking at 5% uh, alcohol by volume. And um, I'm thinking we're looking at cracking this damn thing open and tasting it. Sounds good. I'm, I'm intrigued by the beer smelling, or the bread smelling. Yeah, I'm going to take a big old smell here myself. You know? Kind, kind of. of. I'll bet you this is make an amazing beer bread. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Well, this won't clink because it's aluminum. So. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Ooh, that's got a horrible back end. Mmm, that is... That's chewy. That's bitter, bitter on the back end. Mm, it's good going down, but then all of a sudden it's like, by the way, I'm still here. Yeah, I think if you chug the whole can, it's all right. And it's light, too. I mean, you can see what's left in the here. I mean, it's... Yeah, almost, it's really it's light. It's almost greenish. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's not an IPA by any means, Ooh. but it's definitely got that that hoppy end. It says it's more of a Pills malt. I disagree. And uh, I don't know where they're pulling sweetness from because I'm not tasting any sweetness on this. No, not really. It smells good. I'll bet you this would boil brats really well, too. Well, I got two more cans. I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say thumbs down. Okay. I'm I'm not that against it. It's not something I would sit and drink a lot of. But if somebody gave it to me... I wouldn't not drink it. If it's free, it's for me type thing? Well, no, not even that, because I've drank some really bad beer because it was free. <laughs> Old Style Light, for example. I was at a wedding in, in La Crosse, and that was awful. Old Style Light? I like Old Style. Light is disgusting. Hmm. Interesting. I like Mountain Dew is good, but Diet Mountain Dew is terrible. I'm going to go with a bar on this one. Okay. So, all right. So, let's go into the trivia question. You're in charge of that, as always. All right, and because Al's theme was fantasy, I decided to make the trivia question regarding fantasy. And right now I'm at 12 and 9, I believe. Uh, let's double check. You are at 12 and 9. You're exactly right. Hey, we got, a, we got a statistic out of the way already. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the question is, what is the stage name of Christopher Hamill, who performed the theme song for the 1984 film The NeverEnding Story? 
Wow, look at me go to 12 and 10. <laughs> I'll read that one again. What is the stage name, so also known as, of Christopher Hamill, who performed the theme song for the 1984 movie The NeverEnding Story? Hmm. Okay, we'll, we'll not uh, spend a lot of time here worrying about that. Well, I'll get that one wrong later. <laughs> so, as we said, this you're, is you're, a... I'm, I have a feeling you're probably going to slap yourself and be like, do the whole V8 thing once you find out what the answer is. Yeah, possibly, but... As of right now, I'm drawing a blank. I mean, I will mull it over as we go, but... So now, since we're doing the uh, listeners mm -hmm. a list, we are going to talk about our ratings once again, just because if somebody's listening to us for the first time, they still get their ratings. So, the rating system, we used to use a 1 to 10. But as everybody knows, we have now gone to a 0 to 10. So, 0 is absolute garbage. Kill it with fire before your ears bleed. 1 to 3 is a hard pass. Never again if we can help it. Four to six is okay. Not great. Not terrible. But not necessarily a radio station changer. Kind of there. Yeah. Seven to nine is pretty good to great. May have to look for more by this artist in the future. And of course, ten is the unicorn. It's a maze balls. It's awesome. And you can't live without it. And so far, we have not had a zero and we've not had a ten. Correct. I'm, I'm looking... Look at this. You have all kinds of stats we're not even using. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. I, we talked about this within the last couple weeks. I don't know if we're ever going to get a 10, but I know we're going to hit a zero. I know it. I can just tell in my heart that we're gonna we're just going to have a shitty day sometime. We're both going to be in surly moods, not because of the beer, and something is going to get a zero, and the other person's jaw is just going to drop going, really? Yes. And when that happens, we're going to have to, there's going to have to be some kind of sound effect or party or something. I think, I think what we need to do is... I think the, the the ultimate goal is to find that song that one of us calls a zero and one of us calls a ten. That's a possibility. It is, because our tastes, though they run on the, as we've said before... They're, they're parallel tracks. They're parallel tracks. They're on the same street, but we don't always stop at the same houses. Right. That, that's a really good way to put it, actually. So... Look at you being all brilliant. Hey, you know, it's that time of the day. <laughs> it's it's brilliant o'clock. Brilliant o'clock. There you go. All right, so I'm starting this one out? Yeah, why don't you get us your first one? All right, we're going to get... <laughs> I'm going to have to say this, get this out of the way, because I know you're not a fan. And that was Berserker by the Dread Crew of Oddwood. You know, I just took another drink of that beer. Came and, back? No, it's god-awful. You're still going to give it a bar, huh? I don't know. <laughs> I may have to change this rating by the end of the show. All right, and you got a pint of it, too. This isn't just a standard 12-ounce. This no. is a solid pint, yeah, which means a... you're going to be drinking this thing for a while. Yeah, like a week and a half or so. <laughs> All right, so the Dread Crew of Oddwood. You know, you made that face with the beer, but I have a feeling you probably would have made the face for the song also. No, not that face. I would have made a different face. Kind of like the something just farted face. <laughs> so the Dread Crew of Oddwood. Is it Oddwood or Oddworld? I think it's Oddwood. It's Oddwood. Okay. Uh, Odd World is a video game. That That's the reason I think I wrote that wrong, but whatever. They're a pirate music band out of San Diego, California. These guys are listed as, are you ready for this? And I shit you not, acoustic pirate metal. Acoustic pirate metal. Exactly. And they refer to their own music as heavy mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of funny. Now, which is also the name of their third album. I, I wish I were making this up. I really were. Am. Whatever. Anyhow, as the legend goes, the lead guy, Wolfbeard O'Brady... Wolfbeard O'Brady. Yeah, exactly. 
organized. I suppose it can only get better from there. He organized a meeting at San Diego Comic Con, and the meeting was for fans of the Sega Genesis game of Echo the Dolphin. Eight people showed up, which kind of surprises me because that game is fucking terrible. <laughs> and that was the core lineup for 2008. The people who showed up for the fucking game group are the band. Okay. That's The next year, they released their debut album, Rain the Helm. There's not really a chart or radio station for this kind of music, so obviously really didn't do too much. They got more of a following by traveling all over the U.S. performing at Ren Fairs, which makes sense because yeah, yeah. that's their kind of thing. They released a couple other albums, then in 2015 were part of Pirate Fest, a tour of pirate bands. Okay. Most recently in 2016, they released their most current album, and that was Lawful Evil, and are still technically active today. They're known for being all acoustic and using traditional instruments such as the mandolin, the ukulele, the toy piano, and the Irish bouzouki, which looks, it's that weird looking Irish guitar. Yeah, yeah. Now, didn't this song open with accordion music? Yes. That's and what I thought. It did, and, and I, I dig accordion, as we talked about before. It should also be noted that they've released four albums, all self-released, because I've never heard of a label that would really give that type of music a chance. There's got to be Pirate Ink or something. <laughs> pirate Ink. Um, well, then again, you know, here's the thing, though. Nowadays, it's just shitty copycat cookie-cutter rock music or pop. Otherwise, it won't get a second listen. Now... Let's just take a quick listen to Berserker so that we can get that out of the way. Take their treasure for a greed our duplicity. Make them pay for nothing more than standing in our way. Ostracize them from the dream that lives on their remains. Berserker! That's it. I'm opening a record label. Pirate Ink. Pirate Ink. Pirate music only. Keep in mind that you're going to have to go through some really good and really bad music to try to decide who to sign. I get that. It's like being. But a, then I get to decide what's good and bad. Right, but it's almost power. It's like being a massage therapist. You're like, oh, I get to touch people. Yeah, you also get to touch the scary, ugly people. Okay, not the place I would have went with that, but... Well, because everybody's just like, just saying, like, like, I want to be a gynecologist, because I get to look at lady parts all day. I'm like, yeah, but can you imagine some of the nasty shit you have to look at? Yeah, now look at Blue Waffle. Oh! Exactly. Google with pictures. Oh, God. You're an evil <laughs> bastard. <laughs> so, when I first fired this up, my first thought was, sounds like accordion. Yes. And I wasn't wrong. The music is good. It has a really good beat that kind of gets you riled up. You know, it's kind of one of those, you're sitting in the, kind of waiting. It's like the football team getting ready to go out on the field. The guy is kind of Rory, which I don't care for, but he's understandable, and the character he's singing the ode to is appropriate, so I'm going to give this one a pass for that. The lyrics sound pretty much like every barbarian that's out there and kind of goes on a ramshackle bender. I've listened to this many times, and I can't think of anything but Green Jelly. Like, if they played Unplugged, this is what they would sound like. The song is really, really short, coming in at less than two minutes, which is pretty good, because I don't think I could have handled more than two minutes. And... Without prior warning. I mean, if someone said, yeah, this is what you're going to be listening to, I'm, I could steal myself for that. That being said, I kind of want to hear more just to see if the other stuff is like this or not. It would be completely badass to see the guys live, I would say that. However, I'm not, I don't love this, but I'm still going to give it a seven because I want to hear more. Okay. I, my first thought was when the music hit, I'm like, play that accordion, play it hard. Just, just take it, do it. But you know what? The vocals don't match the music. The, the, whoever is growling lyrics into the mic needs some lessons. 
I get the Bai Wei growls into it because he doesn't know how to sing. I get the idea of what they're trying to do. But I think that the way that the dread crew of Oddwood goes about it is crude. And that's coming from the king of crude. <laughs> I just thought it was too over the top. I don't usually give two fucks about anything like that. I just found this song a bad representation of and possibly a really fun song. I gave it a three. Ouch. That's rough, but, you know, hey, it's that's your opinion. Yeah, exactly. It's where we went to neighboring houses. There you go. All right, so I'm going to kick off my first song. Uh, it's called The Bard Song, In the Forest, by Blind Guardian. This song by German progressive metal band Blind Guardian is unusual. <laughs> However, I'm not surprised that Al put this on his list. As we know from our Brit Rock episode, Al's love for this type of band and other things such as Queenreich. There's nothing wrong with Queensryche, but no. at the same time, when it, if, if you... But can, they're both progressive metal bands. And here's the thing. I mean, honestly, and, and Al, you're awesome and everything else, but um, you could put progressive on a piece of shit and you'd probably buy it. Possibly, possibly. So personally, I think this song would be okay if you're at something like a SCA event or a Renfest or something like that, where everyone is dressed like it's 1468 and you're bowing to your king. I'm not a fan, however. Judge for yourselves and let's listen to the Bard song. But now hear my song About the dawn of the night Let's sing the bard song Tomorrow will take us away Far from home No one will ever know what is But the bard songs will remain Now, with a steady evolution from their early days as a special metal band, or speed metal band, might be special too, to their current <laughs> renowned musical alchemy of glory, drama, and grandiosity, Germany's Blind Guardian have long since made their mark as the world's definitive melodic progressive rock band. For many, they need no introduction, as the band possesses a track record and back catalog of classic staples that perhaps only Iron Maiden can match. <laughs> Called everything from heavy metal bands to modern-day minstrels, Blind Guardian possesses the ability to transport their legions of fans to new landscapes with their majestic songwriting, fantastically themed lyrics, and their meticulous emotion-packed music. That came right off their website. I was going to say, that sounds awfully wordy for you, no offense. No, no, absolutely. I don't agree with it. <laughs> I don't either. It, this this kind of got an ah from me. I got a 5 of 10. You know, and, and we're pretty much on the same page for this one. I thought the guy had a lisp at first, but it turns out that's just how he was singing. So, I don't know what to think about that one. Now, the music is good. It sounded very period, and that works. Um, as for the style of music, the singer's appropriate. I can't say they'd be good in any other medium, though. Um, Perhaps true. He plays the part of the bard, and it works pretty well for him. Overall, the song is just okay. I gave it a six. Okay. So, we're kind of... Pretty close on that pretty one. Pretty close. You know, I stood out in the yard while you knocked on the door. Okay, and this is where we're going to deviate a little bit. So, we're going to do our first statistic. Woohoo! I'm kind of curious. I, I wish we would have done this a little bit differently and maybe did this a week or two earlier and gave them what statistics we were going to find and have people guess. Mm. But we didn't do that. So the number of songs that we did in our first year, 706. Yeah, that means 706 songs that we talked about and that I had to edit. <laughs> That's 706 songs that I had input into my hour-long edits of 
of the episode. So, And that's 706 songs that we had to listen to at least once. If more, not more. Exactly. Most of the time I listen to everything at least twice. Mm-hmm. So that's our first statistic. We'll have another one in a few songs here. Coming up after these messages. Yeah, something like that. So what do you got, man? All right. My next one that I've got is The Wizard by Black Sabbath. So what can we say about Black Sabbath that hasn't already been said? So I'm just going to try to make this short and sweet. Tommy Iommi, Geezer Butler, Ozzy Osbourne, and Bill Ward formed Black Sabbath in 1968 as a blues rock band. Some of their early stuff, actually. Kind of bluesy. Yeah. Called Polka Talk Blues Band. Polka Talk Blues Band. Talk, T-U-L-K. Oh, T-U-L-K, Talk. Okay. It must be a Brit thing. So they changed their name to Earth. They (laughs) broke up, reformed, and changed their name to Black Sabbath based on a Boris Karloff movie that was... Excuse me, playing at the theater at the same time. Oh my god, the burps even taste terrible. Anyways, they released their debut album, self-titled Black Sabbath. You know, we need we should have made a stat on how many artists self-titled their debut albums. Oh god. Because it's nearly frickin' everyone. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, they played together as pioneers of heavy metal until Ozzy's substance abuse got him fired. Dio took over for a couple albums, and there were multiple other member shakeups until in 97 when Ozzy was invited back. Of course, don't feel too bad for Dio because he had a pretty stellar solo career. Finishing out their farewell tour in 2017, they played their last show in their home city of Birmingham, England, after which they disbanded but decided that they will possibly do one-offs, like charity events or things in the future. That's the short version. Now, on to The Wizard. I'm going to be completely honest. I know the song's been out there for fucking ever, but I've never really listened to it. I almost always skipped it. I, there's just something about it. It wasn't Paranoid. It wasn't Iron Man. So I'm like, next. <laughs> so this was actually kind of new for me and because it wasn't one of the hits. The song may have a couple different meanings, and we'll get into those in just a moment. Let's go ahead and put on our pointy hat and listen to The Wizard. Per Geezer Butler, in a 2005 interview, it's about a master of the arcane who uses his power to encourage people and was influenced by Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. Sounds legit. Sounds like a Zeppelin song. Right. Yeah, exactly. Tommy Iommi, however, told a different story in his book. He states that Ozzy and Geezer were rondering around stoned and saw some guy leaping around being silly outside a club. He looked like some kind of elf to them, and thus the song was born. Sad part is, is I would agree with that one, probably. I kind of like the idea of that one better. Mm-hmm. Now, the final, and I'm going to say, let's be let's be honest, probably the most legit-sounding theory is that it was about the band's drug dealer who used his, finger quotes, powers to influence and encourage people. I would probably agree with them, that one first, and then the stone one second, and then probably the Gandalf thing third, yeah, if it well, were me. If, or, honestly, it could be an amalgamation of all of them. Absolutely. But, you know, it, there wasn't a shortage of drugs going on with that band in no, the 70s. No, no. Now, regardless of who you believe, this is classic Sabbath. Now, it didn't back then and still really doesn't get very much airplay, if at all, but it's... You know, it's, it's classic Sabbath. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about it. It's a decent song. Ozzy does well on the harmonica, and the rest of the band just brings it together perfectly. Uh, while it's been one of those 
new favorites. New, of course, being because the song is considerably older than both of us. I won't be skipping it as nearly often as I do. I probably won't listen to it every time, but I'll give it a listen more often. So this is going to say a solid seven for me. Okay. I thought the fact that it opened up with almost a bluesy harmonica mm-hmm. um, by itself, I thought, you know, that's kind of ballsy for this type of music. For a metal band? Yeah, it's it's really kind of ballsy for this kind of music. But then it that, that classic Black Sabbath guitar sound kicks in, and you're like, oh, I'm listening to Black Sabbath. But because before that, you hear that harmonica, and you're like, hey, blues. Yeah. You know, even though I had watched myself hit, you know, Black Sabbath, hit play. Maybe you thought somebody rickrolled you or something? Yeah, it's just like, it's like, wait, blues harmonica? And then, but then you get that Sabbath sound, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I really like the music. I'm not so sure about the lyrics. It talks about the dark side of magic, demons, and such. But really, what should one expect from the masters of dark metal? So I think this one kind of gets a 5 out of 7 for me. Very middle of the road. Okay. Nothing that I found to be... Amazing? Yeah, it didn't really grab me. Okay. So what do you got next? Up next, I have March of the Swordmaster by Rhapsody. Now, be very careful when you type in Rhapsody into your Google search. Oh. Because if you forget the H, you get some girl. She sings um, like like hip hop or something. I'll take a I'll take a reading of one hard pass on that one. And I was just kind of like, I typed it in and I'm like, I'm looking at the name of it. I'm looking at the girl on the screen and I'm like. Something's not adding up here. Wasn't Rhapsody a music program like a ways back, kind of like Music Match and things? Oh, it might have been. I think so. It, it but this was like... a girl. This was a this was a girl that sings hip hop or something. So if you forget the H in Rhapsody, that's what you're gonna end up with. Okay, so I'll make a note of that. This song, however, and I don't want any anything out of your mouth for a bit. This song kind of makes me tingle. The power of the music, the power of the vocals, the song. An epic tale of epic people. The Swordmasters. This is very this is a very fantastical story of battles and marches and swordmasters. The following lyrics really wrap this up really nicely. Hail, hail, brave swordmasters, march, march, great swordmaster, and I ask the wind for the fall of the king. Let's see if you can brave the swordmasters. All right, Lou. You asked me nicely, so I decided to acquiesce, and I didn't say a word. <laughs> no, but I wish I wish we recorded some of these, because the, what you were doing across the table... Oh, I had to hold my mouth shut. Make you tingle, huh? <laughs> Was this like musical porn for you or something? No, but it's, it's one of those songs that I'd never heard before. No. And it really put its hook in real quick. You know... You want me to just give mine first, or do you want to finish yours? No, I'll go, I'll go ahead. So Rhapsody of Fire, formerly known as Rhapsody, is an Italian symphonic power metal band created by Luca Torulli and Alex Starpoli. Widely seen as a pioneer of the symphonic metal, I'm sorry, of the symphonic power metal subgenre, 
Since forming in 1993 as Thundercross, the band has released 12 studio albums, two live albums, two EPs, and a live DVD. Hmm. They're not letting any moss grow. No. Rhapsody of Fire is known for its conceptual lyrics that constitute a fantasy story throughout all of their albums from 1997 to 2011. After using the moniker Rhapsody for nearly 10 years, the band changed their name to Rhapsody of Fire in 2006 due to trademark issues. Which is probably because of the Rhapsody music service. Could be, quite possibly, yeah. This is one of those songs that I will definitely be coming back to. I gave this one a 9. Oh, wow. Holy cow. I really, really like this one. Okay, now, March of the Swordmaster. When it first started, I'm going to preface this with, I remember what we talked about when we talked about instrumentals. You're not a huge fan of instrumentals. Correct, for the most part. For the most part. So when I first heard this, my first thought was, Ah, crap, Chad's going to hate it, it's an instrumental. And the second thought was, okay, it sounds like a D&D inn, like how you walk into, you know, the inn, the bartender says, what you having, and so on and so forth. Yep. It sounds like background music for that. I'm like, ah, oh, God, what's this going to be like? And how does it deal with the Swordmaster? But then it kicked in, and I really enjoyed it. It kind of makes me think of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and it makes me think of them with Sabotage, which Sabotage is Trans-Siberian Orchestra's other project right or vice versa i don't love the lead singer i don't care for his voice but i really really enjoy the music i gave it a solid seven okay so that's closer than than i thought it would be honestly all right so stat number two all right number two we are doing we're talking about the number of artists that we've spoken about so just because we've done 706 songs doesn't necessarily mean that every single one of them had a separate song because there have been duplicates. Yep. And so the total number of artists that we've talked about is 513. Now, you know, statistically, considering that when you look at music as a whole, everything that we know, every song that we knew before we started doing this, every song we've learned about since, is such a small bit of the worldwide a drop music. drop in the bucket. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much music that we don't know about that we will never know about. But I think it's pretty diverse that we got 513 uh, you know, unique singer or artists, artists yeah. out of 706 songs. I would agree. And if we can keep that kind of a balance throughout the years, I'd be happy with that. Absolutely. All right. So next one I'm going to go with here, and that is Kung Fu Fighter by Young MC. Now, Marvin Young, better known as Young MC, which is kind of neat that he actually used his real name as opposed to being like Chingy Dollar Bill Y'all or some bullshit, and his real name is like... Really? You brought up Chingy? That's the first thing that came to mind. But <laughs> it's it's better that he actually used his name instead of being just like Robert Smith, better known as, you know, Foo Foo MC Master Rap Buttfucker. You know, so... Hey, hey, careful. You might infringe on somebody's name there. You know, if... if okay, listeners out there, if you find whatever I just said, because I don't even remember what I said for that one, um, and they actually have a trademark name... I humbly apologize for number one. And number two, I want to have a link to some of that music because I want to listen to that. And Lou will send him $10 for using his name. We'll take it out of the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now we have a budget? Shut up. Oh. (laughs) Young MC is is an American rap artist. He got his start in a dream way. He was in college. He met up with a couple record company reps and rapped for them over the phone the two reps ended up delivering a record contract to his dorm room. Wow. Talk about the dream. Yeah, right? 
God, I'm sick of this college shit. Exactly. How cool is that, though? You know, he worked with Tone Loke on Wild Thing and Funky Cold Medina, which netted him songwriting success, but really hit it with his debut album, Stone Cold Ryman, with not a G, just Ryman. Well, you got to have the, apo- the uh, apostrophe, because, yeah. you know. It was released in 1989, maxing out at number eight on the U.S. hip-hop charts. The album included what he's most well-known for, and that's the song Bust a Move. Throughout the years, he's been through a few label shakeups and released seven more albums, none of which really had the hit or staying power as the first album. Regarding his career, he's been labeled as a one-hit wonder, and most, or by most, I should say, and even actually made light of that in his 1997 album, Return of the One-Hit Wonder. Nice. The label is a great segue into the song. I'm not a huge one. Uh, I'm not a huge Young MC fan per se, but I do love me some good one-hit wonders, especially from the '80s. The '80s had some of the best one-hit wonders oh, out yeah. there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I adds... mean, there are there are these one-hit wonders from the '80s that are still living on that song. Oh my God, they're still making money because it's downloaded like crazy. Right, right. I mean, you know, if... some of them still tour for God's sakes. Oh, remember they had what was it the '90s tour with Salt and Pepper and, and yeah. I know it's the '90s versus '80s, but it's the same vein. Yeah. You know, Vanilla Ice, Salt and Pepper, so on and so forth. Right, said Fred. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I remember those guys. <laughs> And then there's the extended version of that song, which is like 15 minutes long. Oh, God, yeah. So, I had never heard of this song. I Not at all. In fact, I had a hard time even finding it. I know. Every time I would put in Kung Fu Fighter. It brought up uh, the... Kung Fu Fighting by... The, the, Carl from Douglas. The, yeah, from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now, when I did come across it, the documents mentioned Fu Manchu, but there's no information on them about there either. So, this is really kind of a an, an enigma. That's a hard word, an enigma. That's a tough word to say. Yeah, how's that go? It's a, it's an enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a riddle? Something like that, <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and, you know, tighten your belt and put on your gi and listen to a little bit of Kung Fu Fighter. You can't be weak if it's skill you seek. You must show respect just to check the technique. And the words I speak reflect what I'm going to do. Doug is coming at you with the Kung Fu. Do you want to be a Kung Fu Fighter? With a left and a right Now, the song sounds like a lot of other Young MC stuff, especially Bust a Move, in the way that it flows. I have to wonder if it was part of the renewed Kung Fu craze of the 90s and then the 2000s, because if you recall, the, I mean, obviously the 70s had the Kung Fu thing with Kung Fu Fighter and David Carradine right. in the Kung Fu show, and then it kind of died out. But then Bruce Lee and everything Bruce Lee came back with, like, Power Rangers and everything else, and that was 90s and 2000s. So that could very well be where it kind of rebooted on this Quite one. possibly. Now, per... Al, the song was part of a workout CD, and I can buy that because it's got a decent beat to it. I'm not really sure how well it would work as a separate release, so maybe it's a good thing it was only there. I think I'm going to be a generous six on this one. Wow. Now, I was really confused by this song. I had to listen to it twice, which just made it even worse. (laughs) It's a rap about different kung fu strikes and the discipline of it all, really. I didn't like this one. I think this may be even worse than Berserker, even though I'm going to give it the same rating of three. I still think this was the worst one on the list. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I really do. It it hurt. Okay. What's your next one? My next one is called Fred the Ranger by Dan the Bard. 
So, this is a song about a poorly named ranger, and that most likely really isn't in the orcs. As a gamer, I can appreciate this song. As a lover of music, perhaps I can even find some redeeming qualities. It's not great, but it's not awful. It's somewhere in between. Let's track Fred, you know, through this clip. Fred the ranger of the wood did the best that he e'er could To keep the forest safe and well, nasty monsters he did quell When Fred was young he learned the trade of forest animal first aid He loved the woods, he loved his work, most of all he hated orcs He hated orcs with passion fierce and sought them ere their hearts to pierce Throats to choke and legs to break, he liked to drown them in the lake Rangers love the woods so green but keep their swords and axes keen For monsters whom they hate the most, great hatred for them they will boast You watched the video for this, right? I did not. I bet you this guy would be fun to go to a Ren Fair and see. Oh yeah, a lot of these would be great at a Ren Fair. And this guy especially because, I mean, just I mean, he does the full bard get up and walks out there. Because the video I watched was from a Ren Fair. Okay. And he's actually walking down the paths and things too. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Oh, okay, yeah. So here's a bit about Dan from his own website. What can I say? I'm a bard. I walk the land singing songs, telling tales, and doing good deeds. I play all sorts of instruments like the Renaissance lute, the Egyptian oud, Elizabethan Sittern, Turkish Lauta, German Latin Guitar, Medieval Gittern, Puerto Rican Quattro, Mandolin, Penny Whistle, Bodron, and of course, Trumpet. I perform at small... <laughs> we get all these weird-ass instruments and then the trumpet. I know, it's just like... I'm reading some of these going, I don't, I don't, I don't like what four of those instruments are. You know, just by the name of them. Just because you had to say the name. I perform at small and large sci-fi fantasy conventions. I'm the musical director of the Bristol Renaissance Fair, where I perform all summer. Summer. The, which which one is that? The one in in southern Wisconsin? Um, I don't know. Because Bristol Ren Fair is the one that's down by Racine area. Yeah, it could be. And yes, I do birthdays and weddings. I wonder if we can get him to go to Game Hole. Ooh. That would be cool as shit, actually. Yeah, but... Anyways, moving on. Anyway, so he does uh, birthdays and weddings as well. I sort of like this one. I want to see what else he has out there. Um, I gave it a 6 of 10. All right. Well, now, <laughs> Fred the Ranger by Dan the Bard. It is bardic rap. <laughs> it's, I enjoyed this. It made me think of, and you're going to probably appreciate this uh, reference, it made me think of the Ode to Brave Sir Robin from, <laughs> from Holy Grail. Oh, okay, yeah. I very much appreciated the kind of the nod, and I'm going to have to look for more for this guy. I gave him an upper seven. Okay. And I apologize. What was yours again? A six. A six. Okay. I gave him a six, so we're close on that one. All right, so stat number three. Yes, sir. The number of songs that we have duplicated in the first year is 18. Only 18. With such... And I'm, I'm going to read off a list here because it's only 18. We did Summer of 69, Living on a Prayer, Like a Virgin, You Ought to Know, Stairway to Heaven, Stone Cold Crazy, Come What May, Endless Love, Wrecking Ball, Call Me Maybe, Macarena, White Room, and White Christmas, uh, Come With Me Now, I'm Gonna Be, the 500 Mile Song, Nothing Compares to You, End of the Road, and Happy. Now, it, it's going to be noted here that a couple of the duplicates, the only reason that they were was because when we did the decades 
um, in those were yes. the what was that the third mid thirties I think yeah something like that we did a total of ten episodes eight episodes something like that but I think it was ten actually but when we did those episodes obviously it's you know um, every single year in uh, 91, 92, 93, etc and that chose a whole bunch of songs for us and we just had to use some of those on our own thoughts and right everything. we actually we actually um, kind of try to keep in mind the songs we've done and. There will be times that we'll put together a list, or I'll put together a list, and Lou will be like, you've already done that one. Oh, okay, then I'll find something else. And I think I've done the same to you on occasion. Mm -hmm. uh, you keep the database, though, so not as often. But for the most part, we're like, oh, we've done that one already? Okay. Now, there are times, like White Christmas, I did both for white songs. And for Christmas. And for Christmas. Because it's a quintessential Christmas song. Right, right. It's not like you could do a Christmas episode and not do White Christmas. At least our first Christmas episode. Correct, correct. I mean, I'm... hell, we next year Christmas, if we're still doing this, which I'm hoping we will be, uh, yeah. we, we could probably go with just crazy-ass Christmas songs that nobody's either heard of or, like, really, you chose that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like the Christmas Donkey song. Yes, wait for it. Oh God, you had to bring that one up, didn't you? All right, man. What do you What do you got next? So one of the things I'm going to mention here, I'm starting to kind of notice a pattern that with our guest music, and I noticed this from this episode and ones prior. I'm liking the actual music, but I'm hating the singers. Okay. So I I've noticed that I'm just like I don't get it. Maybe I'm this because of the instrumental thing, but there's a few like for example the um, the bard song, the in the forest one, the uh -huh. blind guardian. Didn't care for the singer, but liked the song. So, or like the music, I should say. So, who knows? Maybe that trend will continue, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, quite possibly, you know, we're we're rating music that you and I didn't pick. Right. Which is fun. Don't get me wrong. I, we love doing it. We're not we're not trying to badmouth it in a way that you're no longer going to send us stuff. We love doing these. Mm -hmm. But there are going to be certain things where we're going to be like, well, normally I wouldn't listen to this band because this person's voice drives me up a wall right you know so what do you well, what do you got next though all right next we're gonna go with magic power by triumph now triumph is a canadian band rock band that formed in 1975 of rick emmett gil moore and mike levine they started off a bit more of a prog rock than straight up rock which critics didn't really care for but to be fair most of them don't care for progressive rock or heavy metal unless but al sure does well right and the only reason that critics would like him is if their name is Iron Maiden or Queensryche. Um, Pink Floyd. Yeah. So their first two albums, the 1976 self-titled debut and 1977's Rock and Roll Machine didn't do much on the charts. You know, I wonder if that's more of a, a marketing thing to do your self-titled album first because it's like, here's our album, here's who we are. That could be. Or it could just be that they're, they're just like, you know what, we just spent all this time and energy doing this, so... I don't care about a title, just call it ourselves. It's possible. Um, now, the third album, 1979's Just the Game, is where they really broke it out with the single Lay It on the Line. They enjoyed success in their native Canada as well as in the United States, releasing a few more albums. Emmett got all pissy and split because of the animosity to do his own thing in 1992, and the band recruited Phil X. And they played together until 1993, where they went on a hiatus. Emmett came back in 2007 for the induction of Triumph into the Canadian Music Industry Hall of Fame, which opened the doors to communications again. They're still technically active, but haven't released a studio album since 1993, and their last live album was 2012. 
Now, regarding Magic Power, this 1981 single off of the album Allied Forces peaked at number 8 on the mainstream rock chart and hit 51 on the Billboard Hot 100 of the same year. The song is about magic power. However, it's not the arcane, but rather music. Let's see if you've got the power inside of you. So as we mentioned, the song's subject is magic power, but that is music. And what a power it is! Per the song, if you have music in your life, bad situations can turn around, making a shitty day better. I would actually fully agree with that. I mean, there's days where you just come from, from work and you're just in a surly mood. I don't know, I like that word. I'm, I don't like the beer, but I like the word. You're just in a bad mood and you turn on some cranking music and all of a sudden it's better. Um, when I worked out in Virginia, when I was driving home, bad day at work, I had a 45-minute drive and turned on some hard, loud ACDC. By the time I got home, I was perfectly fine. I calmed down to ACDC, if you can believe that. I used to, um, actually, I would work out and calm down to Henry Rollins' band Okay. and Black Flag. So, I get it. I, fa- I used to fall asleep to a zombie. Okay. You put I put that on and listen to it a few times until I'm starting to feel drowsy and I can feel myself kind of getting that line. Pull the headphones off and just oh, crash. Nice. So... How many times after a rough day do you just want to crank up your favorite song and get the good vibes flowing through you just to get normal again? It's a legal and non-hangover-inducing high that definitely works. Now, I personally like Triumph. I kind of wanted to talk about them on our Canadian episode, but because there were so many other ones that we came up with, I didn't. So maybe next time if we do an episode number two. Yeah. Triumph, I think, are solid, and I think the song is solid, too. It's a good rock song that's not too heavy. It's not hair metal, but it's not arena arena rock, either. I think Solid 7. Okay. I uh, I had heard this song before. So oh, I, I had heard it, too. I just had it in a while. And I said it's almost a power ballad, but I wouldn't call it that exactly, because it's missing something. The love th- factor. Well, and the power. Yeah. It, it comes and goes, but it's not really there throughout. Anyway, it's a song about the power of music, how it can transform your day, your life, and it really says a lot about the way I feel about music, kind of like what you were saying. Music can completely transform your day. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Um, this is a great song, and I gave it an eight. Nice. So. Pretty close on that one. Yeah. So up next, we have The Magician by IMHO. Which, if you know your internet lingo, what does that stand for? In my humble opinion. Alrighty. Which is also what the actual name of the band is. Exactly. So, I couldn't find much out about this band, except for a small write-up on their Facebook page, and it says this. In my humble opinion, IMHO performs bardic rock. Rock and roll that tells a story. Isn't that what fucking rock and roll is? (laughs) To a degree, yes. Get in on the storytelling by suggesting a theme, and we'll try to make a set based on it. The song The Magician tells a story of a magician that is really a fool who became a magician. He says it over and over. I'm just a fool who was forced to become a magician. So, let's spin some magic and listen. When I succeed, I bask in glory. And when I fail, I can just blame fate. There are no mistakes. If I don't 
So like I said, finding anything on this band was hard. I also found a LinkedIn page that says nothing, and it got, but it did get me to their website. They do have a website. I'm just shocked he's got a LinkedIn page. Which has not been updated since 2015 with tour dates. How many times can we say this, people? If you're a... Budding artist. Budding artist, a new artist, whatever. If you're going to have a website, keep it up to date. Right. Okay, okay, ranting done. I, It just bugs me. Anyway, I like the song. I don't know what Bardic Rock is, but I think I could get into it. I gave it a 6 of 10. And fix your website! <laughs> now, The Magician by IMHO, because I'm not reading that whole thing. I don't blame you. It starts off almost like the song Sister Golden Hair, you know, the America song. But then it goes on a very hippity-dippity trip about being a magician and all the powers it imbues. It almost sounds religious to a point, but it really sounds like the guy's whining and complaining. And the complaining aspect of it really kind of turns me off. Um, I don't really know how to feel about it, but I know it's not positive. I gave it a low five. Okay. Did not so much care. All right, so apparently we're going to do another... Uh, what are these called? Statistics! Yes, yeah, statistics. It's <laughs> Dick. <laughs> All right, so the one we have... We talked... The genres we've talked about. Now... If you've been listening for the last year, or last 10 minutes, or last 30 seconds, whatever the case is, you know we talk about things all over the board. Genres we've talked about are pretty, I'll be honest, I mean, the ones that come to mind first, we got rock, pop, polka, soundtracks, country, techno, rap, <laughs> alternative, punk, soft rock, hard rock, love songs, metal, comedy, bluegrass, and really the only things we haven't really touched on are classical and jazz. And spiritual. And spiritual. Um, and if you haven't heard the rap episode yet, go listen to it. What what number was it? Fifty? I think it was uh, fifty. Was Evercon, wasn't it? I think it was 40, uh, 49, 48 49. or forty nine. Go listen to the rap episode. It's hilarious. And we actually found some rap that isn't horrible. Surprisingly. So, so that was that. And I suppose it's my turn. Huh? Yeah. What do you got? All right. Next we have a band called Fate's Warning. Did the song "The Sorceress." Now, Fate's Warning is an American progressive rock band. Progressive rock. I think we're starting... Not only are we listening to D&D theme songs, I think we've got Al pegged as a progressive rock guy. I think he's trying to brainwash us. He's trying, but he's <laughs> not picking the right music. <laughs> so it formed of John Arch, Jim Matheos, Victor Arduini, and Joe DiBiase. I wonder if he's related to Ted. And Steve Zimmerman in 1982. The band cited metal bands such as Iron Maiden as their pref uh, primary influence and released their first album, 1984's Night on Brocken, to very little fanfare. All Music's Robert Taylor declared it, finger quote, or, uh, not finger quote, but quotes, a very humble beginning for this excellent progressive rock band. But he also didn't recommend it, stating, quote, metal fans will find this too close to Iron Maiden and progressive kind and progressive fans should skip this altogether. Ooh, that's yeah. harsh. So it's a really backhanded compliment. Kind yeah, of. yeah. It's like, you guys are excellent, but you're too much like somebody else, so don't pick this one up. It's like, here's a sandwich, but it's moldy. Yeah. 
ouch, I, there's really nothing else to say on this one here. Now, they reached moderate success with their next few efforts, then kind of exploded with 1988's No Exit, which changed their styles to get more thrash metal. Between label and member shakeups, Fate's Warning has continued to record and stay active, releasing material as recently as 2016's Theories of Flight and 2017's Awaken the Guardian Live. The Sorceress is the first track off their third effort, 1986's Awaken the Guardian, and it goes towards more heavy metal instead of progressive, and that's why critics really pan the song. It peaked at 191 on the Billboard 200, so kind of barely made that list. Let's go ahead and listen about the sorceress. So now I'm going to say, I even wrote this here, I said, you got to say, another progressive rock band, L. Maybe that's your theme. It's not D&D, but it's progressive rock bands. I know you wanted to talk about prog rock before, and it didn't really work, so you got your wish, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's kind of funny about this is I even wrote my notes when I first heard this and said, this sounds a lot like Iron Maiden. Apparently, I'm not the only one who thought that, because that's what the professional said, because that's just how it is. Now, emulating your influence is all good, but you have to have your own identity, which is probably why they didn't get the exposure that they needed to be successful until they went thrash, because <laughs> Iron Maiden's really not thrash. Right, right. Now, the song itself, again, sounds very similar, but it just doesn't sound quite as polished, kind of like their uh, cover band almost. It tells a story about witches and fantasy, but not once does it mention the title character by name or genre. But that's okay. It's not the first time. The song is just all right. Um, I'm going to be generous on this one because even though it sounds like Maiden, that's not a bad thing. I'm going to say seven just because I want to hear more to see if they stick with that style. Okay, fair enough. I think the opening music, that that, that sound is a dulcimer. I kind of like that. The way they kind of open up the, the, the song. The, the name of it makes me is entertaining to begin with, but yeah, I'd agree with that. So then the guitars hit. I like that too. Then the vocals hit, and I am immediately gritting my teeth. <laughs> I cannot stand the voice of the lead singer. I, I I don't know what it is. He's he's he was killing my mellow man. <laughs> harsh in your <laughs> harsh in your mellow. Yeah, I really like the music though. They either need to have him sing in a lower register, or you Quit. know maybe get a new singer. <laughs> so is this like kind of like what I mentioned before, where the music is good but the singer is not? Yeah, and that for that reason I gave it a five. Okay. But yeah, no, I I was not impressed by the vocals. I like the music. Vocals, uh, I can do something completely different with that. Okay. So what do you got next? All right. So up next, I've got Warriors of Faith by Hammerfall. So I really, really, really enjoyed this song. The driving beats, the metal vocals, the deep growling guitar. I would tell anyone to listen to this. The fact that it's got lyrics about basically a cleric in gaming just makes it all the better. Let's follow the warriors of faith into battle.
formed in Gothenburg, Sweden, or Gothenburg, Sweden, in 1993 by guitarist Oscar Dronjak, Glory to the Brave, 1997, and Legacy of Kings, 1998, cemented the band as the pioneers of modern 80s heavy metal, often credited with bringing back the melodies and honesty in music. The Worldwide Crusade continued with Renegade in 2000, an album that generated a breakthrough for Hammerfall and metal music in general in the mainstream media in Sweden. The lineup was now complete with drummer Anders Johansson, formerly of Rising Force fame, Stefan Elmgren on guitar, and Magnus Rosin on bass guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah, Magnus. that's a, Magnus Rosin. Ah. Is that not the most one of the most manly names out there? Yes. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's like it's you have to sign that your name with <laughs> with an ink pen that's dipped in testosterone. Yeah, I mean, the name Magnus nowadays. I'm sorry, but you could not give that to a boy nowadays. Oh, he'd get his ass kicked. Yeah. Well, not only would he get his ass kicked, but you'd expect him to be this like hard ass kid. Actually, and... he wouldn't because of the whole nerd renaissance. True. You know who else? Who Magnus is, right? No. Magneto. Oh. So with the nerd renaissance, of course, if I did that, of course, you know, we'd find out and be like, you named your kid after an X-Men villain. Fucking A, I did. So Crimson Thunder 2002 was next, followed by a live album and DVD, One Crimson Night. Recorded in their hometown in front of a capacity crowd, the fifth album aptly titled Chapter 5, Unbent, Unbowed, Unbroken in 2005, further planted the name of Hammerfall in the minds of households in Sweden, as well as metal fans all over the world. Threshold 2007 continued that tradition, but the aftermath saw Stefan and Magnus leave the band. Single man here. Magnus is gone. Aww. Replacements Pontus Nogren, ex of the Poodles, and Friedrich Larsen, ex of Evergrey brought stability to the instrumental section and No Sacrifice, No Victory was released in 2009 and was the first album recorded with this lineup. So, I just love this music. I What I found was on their website, obviously. Mm. It was a rundown of their history. There's not a whole lot in media that I am used to looking through to find on these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up because the plan was... The plan all along was to return in 2014 with renewed energy, and the Templars kept their promise. <laughs> so this gets an 8 out of 10 for me. Lewis? Oh, wow. Did they do something wrong? No. Okay. No, I just, every once in a while, i got to call you Lewis. <laughs> all right. So the song started hard and fast, and it kept going mostly throughout. It slowed down a little bit around the two-minute mark, and then for about a 45-second reprieve. And when that happened, I'm just like, oh, I'll bring it back. And they did. And they did. Um, it does follow a bit of a speed metal formula, but I don't care. I really dig this one. It makes me think of Bang Camaro and Dragon Force. Dragon Force being slowed down just a little bit. And if all of their stuff is like this, I will be a brand new fan. For me, it's in, it's a nine. It's oh. my favorite of your split. All right. Well, we're still pretty close on that. I mean, I think uh, I think we can honestly say we both enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. And it's statistic time. Yay! Artists that we've done multiple times, not sexually, just on the show. There's a couple I'm sure we wish we could have, but well, we're going to get into that some other time. Not kind of the show where we talk specifically about one person, such as the Weird Al show, was 88 Artists. So we, we, and we'll, we'll drop a few names here in a little bit, but 
Um, yeah, 88 artists, that's not bad. No, it's not. Um, and you can definitely tell some of our favorites when you get into this one. Yes, when we get into it, we will definitely know some of the favorites. But And if you've been watching this show, or watching the show, if you've been watching with, with your ear holes, you will probably recognize some of these names before we even give them to you. In oh, yeah. fact, if you look at our picture on our Facebook page, you will probably recognize some of these artists before we tell them to you. Well, one of them, my shirt actually didn't make the list. It surprisingly did not. However, mine did. Yes, yours did. So, All right, so what do you got next, man? Next, we're going to go with The Clairvoyant by Iron Maiden. So we listened to an Iron Maiden tribute type band, and now we're going to listen to the real people. Nice. Iron Maiden is, and I'm frankly shocked they're still going, a Brit heavy metal band that formed Christmas Day of 1975 by bassist Steve Harris. The band was inspired by the movie version of Dumas's The Man in the Iron Mask and reminded Harris of the medieval torture device of the same name. Now, even before releasing their first album, they had a bunch of musician turnover for, range, for reasons ranging from lack of energy or charisma to pretending to play the guitar with his teeth on stage and embarrassing the band. Who did that? I, I didn't write down the dude's name, but yeah, that was one of the reasons that a guy got kicked out of Iron Maiden is because he embarrassed the band by playing with his teeth. Those fuckers are serious about heavy metal. No shit. So... Finally, in 1979, they got their big break, becoming signed, then in 1980 released their self-titled debut, where it peaked at number four on the UK charts. The US didn't get a charting Maiden album until their sophomore effort, Killers, in 1981. The 80s were very kind to them in the UK. Six out of seven of their albums were in the top five on the charts. Nice. More shakeups, more albums. Then one of the biggest names, Bruce Dickinson, left in 1993 to do some solo stuff. The band soldiered on with Blaze Bailey, and took a breather, came back to recording in 1995. Bailey's voice was erect, and he was asked to leave, opening the door for Dickinson to come back. They've continued to record and tour, and are still considered technically active, completing a tour in 2017. Wow. I did not know they I were did still not, active. I did not either. Now, their mascot, the sci-fi skull being named Eddie, has been on nearly all their album covers, and most of their live shows as well. Maiden has released 16 studio albums and 12 lives since inception, spawning 43 singles. Every studio album they've put out has gone at least silver in the UK. Clairvoyant was the third single off their seventh album, 1998's Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. And I had to slow down for that one because I would have stammered all over the place. That's fine, man. It starts off first person, but then after they die, swaps over to a third person point of view. Per songwriter Steve Harris, it was inspired by the death of psychic Doris Stokes and his wondering if she was truly able to see the future, could she have foreseen her own death? Kind of a legit question if you think about it. And pretty deep stuff for a metal song, huh? Yeah, it is. So why don't we go ahead and you know channel our inner being and become one with the clairvoyant. Now, since Maiden has such a huge catalog, I'm sad to say this one passed me by. I'm glad it was brought to the forefront, though, because I really, really enjoyed this song. I love the bass work in the beginning and how it really just sets the tone for the whole thing. And then the guitars ease in and you're off to the races. The bass 
and short guitar strumming kind of makes me think of a roller coaster that kind of goes clicking up that first hill. And then as soon as you go over that hump, just hang on because the song is just about to start. From the opening to the ending, the song completely just rocks. Now, there's a little bit of a slowdown for the listener to kind of catch their breath around the 205 mark, but then it's just back to the insanity. As I mentioned before, I really, really dig this one, and this is an easy nine. This is easily my favorite song of all of them. Fair what, enough. What do you think? I think it's a really good song. I love the vocals, the Russian guitars, and the topic of the song. The ability to use things from a distance, or to see things from a distance. The purveyor of the gift realizes that eventually, if he continues to use it, it will overcome him, and he will no longer have control over it. That losing of control will bring on death. And basically, I get the feeling that he's like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm good to do it anyways. Exactly. Again, I really, really like this song, and I gave it an 8. Alrighty. So, what do you got next? Alright, up next, I have Of Wolf and Man by Metallica. So, this is the story of a werewolf. The music is very Metallica. The guitars, the lead vocals of James Hetfield, the break for the screaming guitars. That said, it is nothing special for Metallica. I enjoyed it, but I'm not all giddy about it. Here, listen for yourself. Well, I get a little, uh, wolfy. We talk more <laughs> directly from their website you need to keep that in by the way ah the joy of humble beginnings metallica one of the biggest selling acts in american history were born on october 28 1981 when drummer lars ulrich lou's favorite man in the music industry and guitar player singer james hetfield got together via ulrich's la recycler newspaper ad do you remember when they used to talk in the 80s and 90s about the recycler? Mm-hmm. And that's how bands were born in L.A., man. Oh, yeah. You had, to have a, you had to have your hands on a recycler. Soon, the two had recruited Hetfield's friend and housemate Ron McGovey to play bass, Dave Mustaine to play, play lead guitar. Of course, the lineup has changed. A few times, yeah. And taken the name Metallica after a suggestion from Bay Area metal scene friend Ron Quintana. Their ascent was a relatively quick... Driven by sheer work rate, effort, and the rare musical chemistry. After hitting the opener circuit in L.A., where they supported the likes of Saxon, they recorded their first ever demo, No Life to Leather. In 1991, Metallica released their self-titled album, better known by fans as The Black Album. That's when I learned of Metallica. Uh, I actually heard about them earlier. Did you? Um, the first one that I actually got was The Black Album. However, once I realized I enjoyed it, I went back to the earlier stuff. Oh, yeah, I've listened to it all. But, I mean, that's where that's where it I, came I, into my consciousness. Right. I would agree with that. So, new producer Bob Rock focused the band on a fuller sound with simpler arrangements. Is that his real name? I mean, how awesome is that for a producer's name? What's your name, Bob Rock? You're hired. <laughs> right. And it went straight to number one all over the world and didn't really leave for a couple of years, selling in excess of 16 million copies worldwide spawning several legitimate singles and earning various industry accolades, including a Grammy, MTV, and American Music Awards. Great band. Okay song. Um, you know, it's a song about being a werewolf, man. I gave it a 6 of 10. 
So I got to ask, are you one of the 16 million copies? I was at one point. I had it on cassette tape. Okay. I have not replaced it with a CD, though. Okay. My uncle came to visit, and at Inner Sleeve, when it was still over by, um, on Scott Street, like, not, well, it's still on Scott Street, after, over by Shepherd and Schaller. Right. When it was there, he went and, it was a birthday gift, I think, or whatever, he picked that up on suggestion from the owner that said he'll like this. Okay. So that was my first introduction to that, and... It's one of those that I can listen to start to finish and not skip a track. But you know, the I'm going back to the old hippie now that runs Inner Sleeve. Great guy. He is. And you go in there and you're like, I'm looking for this. And he knows. Oh my God. it's He is a roadmap of that story. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, he's he may be burned out, but that dude knows what he's talking about. And I'm not even saying so much that, you know, like you go in there and you're like, I want, you know, XYZ album by, you know, ABC band. I'm like, you go in there and you're like, well, my mom kind of likes this and that. Any suggestions? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, it could be this or it could be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dude's the dude is good. Absolutely. Now, as Chad may have mentioned, this song comes off of the 91 Black, or if you prefer, self-titled album, which is hilarious that that's not their first one, though. I think it wasn't their first studio album, what, Kill Em All? I, it was either Kill Em All or Master of Puppets. I oh, no, no, no. Master no? was way later, because... I think it was Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, and then Master. And Master okay. of Puppets is one of my favorite of all. Oh time. yeah, it's it's one of the best of theirs. Now, this one here, the whole album is good, and the song is no exception. The Black album did move away from their kind of thrash style that they used to do because if you listen to their older stuff, it was harder, it was faster. I mean, it's it is what it was. Right. And just kind of straight and focused on a hard rock, which is more radio friendly, as it were. It's not their strongest effort, but I do appreciate it. I'm giving it a seven. Okay, fair enough. And now it is statistic time. Right. All right, so you already seen this list, and actually you were incorrect. Your your artist does make that list. Oh, yeah, you're right. I was, I was for some reason, I was thinking I was wearing Floyd. No, you were wearing, well, you are wearing, wearing Guns, Guns and Roses, Roses yeah. which we've talked about six times. I'm wearing ACDC, which we've talked about seven times. Okay. So there are two of your st- statistics there. Um, one of your other favorites, Bon Jovi, we did five. One of my other favorites, Van Halen, we did four. Stay tuned, and we'll have more duplicates coming up. Woo! Yay! <laughs> so what do you got next, man? All right, my last one, and that's going to be The Warrior by Scandal. Now, The Warrior, I mean, it's pretty much it's one of the basic classes. In fact, I think from not even advanced, but just regular D&D. Yeah, The Warrior's been around from all incarnations. I mean, they've changed it. They've made it into Berserker. They've made it into Well, those whatever. are subgenres of the class, but exactly. the warrior never goes. Right. So, now, let's talk about Scandal. Not not a scandal, but Scandal. But I've always wanted to be part of a scandal. <laughs> well, no. But <laughs> Scandal is an American rock band that formed in 1981 by Zach Smith, who also took on the role of primary songwriter. The original lineup included Ivan Elias, or Elias, Keith Mack, Benji King, Frank LaRocca, and singer Patti Smith. Or Smythe. Whatever. Patti, some Patti. They released their first album, the self-titled EP, in 1982 to moderate success. The EP went gold, which doesn't usually often happen, and peaked at 39, and the single Goodbye to You reached number 5 on the U.S. mainstream rock chart. Their next and only full-length studio album, 1984's Warrior, did much better than the predecessor, going platinum, reaching 17 and spawning the number one hit that we'll be talking about in just a moment, The Warrior. All was not fuzzies and rainbows, though, due to infighting and fights with their record company. 
By the time the band was ready to tour for Warrior, Smythe and Mac were the only original members left of the band. Scandal broke up in 1985, and Smythe had a decent solo career, releasing a couple albums and writing for soundtracks. In 2004, VH1 pulled all the original members, minus Elias, who passed away from cancer in 95, together for their band's reunited show since they've been gone. And they've been together ever since. The Warrior. I mean, I enjoyed the song, so let's, before we even talk about it, let's just go ahead and listen to The Warrior. Now, this song was written by Holly Knight, who also wrote Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield, and Nick Gilder, who also wrote Hot Child in the City. It was the lead lead single off of 1984's album of the same name. What is the song, really? Is it a love song? Is it like a Hungry Like the Wolf style song? No one knows, and frankly, because of how much I feel about song meetings, I really don't care. I do know it's a good rock song, and and it stands the test of time. I personally still enjoy listening to this song, even when it comes on now, and it's an easy seven for me. I don't love all of their stuff, but this is a good song. So what does Chad think about this song? The song feels out of place in this playlist. It really does. Because <laughs> it's a pop song as opposed to bard rock. But it is a nice reprieve from some of the other music we had to listen to today. This classic rock song is about a warrior. And not a warrior as in you know, swords and, and shields and such like that, but it's a warrior of the heart. Ooh, look you, know, you being all deep in shit. I'm deep in shit? <laughs> well, it depends. How much trouble are you in? Not None right now. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those great songs from the, from the 80s. Mm-hmm. I, I just absolutely love this song. I like it a lot. I, I gave it a solid seven. So we were the same on that one. Yeah. I had a friend of mine that when I was a kid, I lived on 3rd Street in Wausau, and he his mom would bring him over, and we would all hang out. And he had one of those Fisher-Price Brown tape players, and he loved that song. So it always was on every time he came over. I'm like, okay, it's a good song. When, no, you got to listen to this again. He rewound it and played it again. I'm like, dude. But nowadays, yeah, it's a good song. And I got a couple pieces of interesting trivia about Okay. That. So, Patty Smythe and Scandal. First of all, Bon Jovi played guitar for Scandal in 1983. John Bon Jovi. Yes. Hmm. Which I thought was really interesting. And then second was that after Scandal broke up, Eddie Van Halen, who was a friend of Patti Smythe, invited her to front Van Halen, replacing David Lee Roth. It would have been better than Sammy. I disagree. Now, the, <laughs> the story goes that she was eight months pregnant at the time, so she said no. Oh. She said, I was a New Yorker. I didn't want to live in L.A. And those guys were drunk and fighting all the time. Fair Which enough. It's, from, from what I've read about Van Halen, that's pretty legit. Yeah. So what do you got for the last one? All right. So I have got Elven Path by Nightwish. The song is rocking, but the vocals. The lead singer, Flor Janssen, needs to find a vocal range that is in the human hearing pattern. My God, was that high. <laughs> she is definitely a soprano, which I don't have a problem with. Here's my problem. Remember in our original women leads in rock music, hmm. I said there were two types of women leads. Those that don't have the chops to sing rock, 
and those who are too afraid to sing rock. Right. Well, I think Floor is both. Her vocals seem stretched, and her voice feels timid to me. Why not find out for yourself with a listen to Elven Path? So after taking down that path, what do you got to tell me? <laughs> the song itself is kind of cool lyrically, singing about how one gets to the elven lands. Being a hero, and thus being a hero, you meet all sorts of wonder, wonderful elven folk. I think if they had a different lead vocalist, or had done this song to a different style of music, maybe, I think it would have been, I think I would have loved the shit out of it. But as it stands, it gets a solid meh out of me. I gotta give it a 5 of 10. Alright, I really like this song at the beginning. And this is another one of those where I like the music, not a huge fan of the lead singer. The music is good, it kind of gets you going, and I think the lead singer tries too hard to be an opera singer. Could be. Because when she, cause she goes in two registers in this song. She starts kind of lower, and that's kind of good. That's kind of good. But then when she gets her opera singer, it just kind of ruins it for me. So if she would have stayed in a lower register, I think it would have worked out a lot better. I know they're a symphonic band, but I think she tries too hard. I would agree with that. It's a, It would be a great instrumental if they took the verbal out of this at all, or the vocals out of this, and made it just an instrumental. I think it would be amazing. I think I could even listen to that on a regular basis. Right. Um, she's kind of cute. I would disagree with That's that. That's why but... I said kind of. <laughs> I'm not going to leave my wife over or anything. I just She's kind of cute. I suppose a paper bag would fix it. <laughs> And I'm still gonna give her a, give it a seven because I'd like to hear more and see what they have to say about the re- or see what the rest of their stuff is like. Now, if it's all this operatic shit, I'm gonna say pass. Okay, fair enough. So, are you gonna talk about a couple of the other? Yeah, a few of the other uh, duplicates. Yeah, duplicates. Our artists that we duplicated: um, Elton John four times, Michael Jackson and Metallica five times each, um, Ozzy Osbourne four. Now, does that count as? Um, Duet? No, Ozzy alone, or is that Ozzy with... Um, Sabbath? Sabbath. I think that's just Ozzy solo. Okay, sounds about right. Uh, Prince, Queen, four times each, Elton John four times, and the winner of it all. And I got a feeling that this is my fault. We have done 11 Beatles songs. What do you mean you got a feeling this is well, because This some is of absolutely it's... your fault. Well, how many were in the decades? In the 60s. They had to have three or four just in the Uh, 60s. I'm going to say this one's your fault between yours and your kids. Because there may be two or three in the decades, but that still only accounts for three out of 11. I'm going to blame my daughter, Emma, because she brought us Beatles. So, yeah, it's her (laughs) fault. No, it's it's fine. The Beatles are not a terrible band. So, yeah. All right. So, I suppose we get back to that trivia question. All right, so I'm going to read that again, and let's see if maybe you have some good ideas on this one. Like I said, you might do a V8 moment once you hear this, the answer to this. Quite possibly, but I have no idea. But All right, so what is the stage name of Christopher Hamill, who performed the theme song for the 1984 film Never Ending Story? I really have nothing. Um, so I'm going to go with... John Cena! <laughs> So, the artist is called Lee Mall. Lee Mall? He, he did the song, The Neverending Story. Okay. And he was also the lead vocalist for the 80s new wave band Kaja Gugu, the Too Shy band. 
Okay. And that's the same. If you listen to songs, you can hear it. But yeah, he's got a unique, weird ass name, Lee Mall, but he was the one who did the theme song. Okay, so that makes me 12 and 10. 12 and 10. Yes, yes. All right, so like we do with all of these, our closest song was The Warrior by Scandal, where we both gave it a 7 rating, mm-hmm. so a difference of 0. Our worst, our, our biggest gap was with Berserker by the Dread Crew Oddwood. You gave it a seven. I gave it a three for a difference of four. Most things fell in that one or two category. We also had a three difference on Kung Fu Fighter by Young MC. Mm-hmm. So with that, it's uh, it's coming to the close of that all-important one-year episode. It is. And, you know, it's a little bit longer than we normally do these, but that's quite all right. You deserve extra because you hung, on, you hung in here with us that long. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. All right, so we want to uh, let you know that if you want to reach out to us, you know, give us any good input back, any bad input. Actually, constructive criticism is more important than blowing smoke up our asses. Oh, yeah, I'd rather say, you know, hey, this sounds too bad or this whatever, as long as you're not like, you guys fucking suck, and don't say anything about fixing it. Right. But, yeah, I mean, hey, we're more than happy to make changes if it's something that will change the show for a better. Yeah, so you can reach out to us in a number of ways. First of all, through email. You can send us an email at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or now you can also send us an email at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. And like I keep teasing, we don't have a whole lot of details for you yet, but it's coming, I promise. So is Christmas. Not for another 11 months. <laughs> so... You can also find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. And, of course, Lou, tell us about Twitter. We are on Twitter as well. That's at MCPodcast17. If you want to send us love, hate, if you want to send us a playlist, 14 different artists by 14 different uh, – or 14 songs by 14 different artists. Um, try to – Or 14 different artists that have been done by – 14 different – No, I was going to say by, like, you one, know – One groupie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now – if you send us a playlist, uh, be prepared to send us the songs just in case. We are pretty good at being able to get music, but sometimes it happens. Like this song, Kung Fu Fighter, for example, that is like there's the one version of it out in cyberspace. Well, we had some issues with our last episode, which we you, you bought a program that allowed us to get some of that music. Mm-hmm. But had you not done that... We'd, we'd be still, shit out of luck. Yeah, we'd have been we'd have been SOL. So, so yeah, if if you are going to send us a list, we'll be more than happy to review this and just hit us up at one of our contacts, Facebook, Twitter, um, email, whatever you'd like to. We'll be more than happy to hear from you. In fact, we might even we'll even mention your name if you tell us we can. Yeah, yeah. So with that, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.